0: So glad to see you all here this morning as we look at this idea of what it means to live by faith. And uh, we've been looking at that for the past couple of weeks now. What does it mean to live by faith? And and we use some examples. and. But one of the things I'm, I'm most excited about in the last couple of weeks we looked at Hebrews 10 and 11 and unpacked those things a little bit and found some truths in there. And uh, so one of the things I'm really excited about is the fact that God has given us examples. The beautiful thing about the word of God is that it's written in such a way that we can relate to it. The The narratives that run all the way through scripture um, allow us to see real people living in real time with real lives, making real decisions, and, um, and allows us to see them do that. And God does that in such a way that it can illustrate for us ways that we can live our lives, and so even as we begin to think of what does it mean to live by faith anyway, what does that really look like and um, to be able to to take a look at the examples that we find in scripture to help us as we seek to do that which they were seeking to do as well, and so as we as we continue in this in this idea of what does it mean to live by faith. Last week, we took a broad overview of, of uh, Hebrews 11. And now, over the next few weeks, what we're going to do is step into the lives of some of those in Hebrews 11 who were commended for living by faith. And as we look at them, my prayer is that it will help to serve as an example for us. And as each one of these people, characters, that we look at, that on some level you'll be able to relate to them and say, that's going to help me learn to know what it means to live by faith. And even as we do that, I remind you of the outline from last week. I'm sure I don't have to. I'm, I'm positive that all of you were here, remember my three points exactly, but in case I, I will review them. And so we took a look at these at this chapter eleven of Hebrews and how it was bookended by People who have faith are commended by God, and those who were commended were those who lived by faith. And so, in the middle is the truth of the example of of these people who chose to live by faith. And as we looked at that, we looked at the fact that to live by faith means that you're founded; that that your faith is founded in the truth of the Word of God. Your, your faith is founded in the truth that's found in the Word of God. And so, these people who live by faith faith had the word of God that, that, that was their foundation. The second thing we saw is that these people were people who who trusted in God's faithfulness. So they were focused on the faithfulness of God. They were founded on his word, but they were focused on his faithfulness. And surely if God said he would do it, we could be confident that he that He will. And they, they were examples of that in their lives. So we, we saw that they were founded in God's word, focused on his faithfulness, and finally, as they lived their lives by faith they were a witness to the to the working out of god's plan in their lives they were commended they bore witness to the truth of god's plan played out in their lives and so in many ways as we look at each one of these characters we could have that be the outline as we follow this along founded in the word of god Focused on the faithfulness of God, and as they live their life, it's a, a witness or testimony to the truth of God working His plan out in their lives. And so, I'd, I'd ask you to hold that in the back of your mind as we go through each one of these characters. This week, we're going to be focused on Sarah, and Sarah's uh, commended in Hebrews 11:11. 11, 11 by faith Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promised and so Sarah's account is found in Genesis now for the for the people who received the book of Hebrews the The um, book of Hebrews, as it was written originally, the people who received that were Jewish people. And so as it was sent to Jewish people, the author, and we looked at this in the last couple of weeks, the author made all sorts of assumptions that they would know what he was talking about when he talked about things. So as, as he talks about by faith, Sarah herself received the power to conceive, he knows that the audience he's writing to understands what that means. They understand the narrative... Or the account or the story if you will of Sarah and and they he can say it this briefly because they would understand that but for us that's a little harder some of us may know the uh, account of Sarah but even as we look at it a little more closely to examine what does it mean to live by faith and what did it look like in her life we need to cover the entire narrative. And that's found in the last uh, few verses of uh, Genesis 11. And then it goes all the way up into Genesis 27 or something like that. And so it's in a long account. And so we're going to do a flyover. But it will hopefully help you understand a little bit more about Sarah's life. As we look at that, one, one of the main things we have to realize is that the very core of the uh, narrative of Sarah is Genesis 12, 1 through 3. And Genesis 12:1 through 3 say this. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So as we step into the story of Sarah, we're stepping into the story of Abraham, and their narrative runs together through the Old Testament. And so as we look at this, we see that, that this promise is made to Abram. Now what's significant about this is in the first 11 chapters of Genesis, the first 11 chapters of Scripture, we see God focused on all mankind. It's written about what's happening between God and all of mankind. So Adam and Eve uh, are... Are created and they take the fruit and and that brings sin into the world and sin continues to spiral down till it gets to the to the place where it's so bad that creation needs to be destroyed, and so the flood comes and Noah's saved. And it doesn't take long after Noah comes off the ark that things start to spiral again. And so we see the, the people come together at the Tower of Babel, and God confuses the language. And so these things are happening in those first eleven chapters, but then comes just Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, and the Lord has now, instead of focusing his, the attention of the narrative on the whole world, now focuses on one family, one man, one woman, one family. And he begins to unveil the plan that he has. Now, this is a plan that's that's revealed in the third chapter of Genesis, where where it's talked and, and where where God says to Eve you will have an offspring, a seed, who will come to a place where he will crush the head of the serpent, okay? So God's God's plan involves uh, someone being born, that someone we now know as Jesus, being born who would crush the head of the snake or would take death out of the world, and and that is, again, Jesus. And so God is revealing to Abram that Abram, is the man who will be the one who passes this seed on. And he says, I will bless you. I will bless those who bless you. And all the families of the earth shall be blessed. See, this idea of blessing is something that flows through Scripture. It starts in in the created order. In Genesis one twenty two, when God creates the animals, he, he says he blesses them. So, as soon as life comes into the world, God begins to bestow blessing, but then he creates Adam and Eve, and there's a different blessing that's, created, that's placed on them. Because the, we are created in the image of God, God longs for us to receive the blessing that he has planned for us, the blessing of intimacy with him, the blessing of relationship with him. We've been created and designed for that relationship with him that is the blessing that each one of us is designed to receive and designed to thrive in. But sin, you see, removes us from that blessing. Sin is the thing that takes us away from that blessing. And and there is no solution for sin in and of ourselves. There's nothing we can do in and of ourselves to bring us back into that blessing. But God has always had a plan for that blessing to be restored to those he's created. And that blessing is to be passed on in the person of Jesus Christ through the seed of Abram. And so this, this... place in this this account as we look at sarah is 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 pivotal to the plan of god and so her faith her being able to live by faith let her receive the power that would bring a blessing into all the world so it's pretty significant she's quite she's quite a lady so let's take a look at what that means when we look at Sarah, we see that living by faith shapes our lives and we consider the truth that God is faithful. As we consider the truth that God is faithful, faith can be used to shape our lives. So living by faith embraces God's identity for us. The first thing we see in, in the life of Sarah is that as she lives by faith, she embraces God's, um, God's identity for her. At the end of uh, chapter 11, verse 29 and Abram and Nahor took wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife, Milcah, the daughter of Haran, father of Milcah and Iscah. Now Sarai was barren, she had no child. So the first time we meet Sarah, whose name at this point is Sarai, we'll get to that in a little bit, but the first time we meet Sarai, we're told that she's barren. That's what her identity is, or that's the identity that's been assigned to her and i believe as we read scripture we can see that's an identity that she took upon herself as well genesis chapter 11 is one of the genealogies of scripture and the genealogies i don't know about you but i get tempted to skim over them anybody else or or do you some of you try to figure out if you can pronounce every name exactly right you know but I think we're, if we, we, we tend to gloss over those genealogies. But the people who received this book at first, they didn't gloss that over. Because there's a seed, you see. There, there's, there's a seed that is coming through the line of Adam, through the line of Noah, through the line of Shem. And it's weaving its way through Scripture until it comes to this man, Abram. And, and so the genealogies are important because then from, from Abram, the genealogy goes through David and comes through Jesus. And so these genealogies are incredibly important because they prove that God is working in the lives of these people to bring this to pass. And so you can imagine as, as we read these genealogies to live in a time where this was so important to have a child. Because the genealogies are so so beget so, so beget, so and so beget, so and so beget, so and so beget, so and so, and Sarah couldn't have anybody. I remember when I was a kid, real little, and, and my grandpa started to talk to me, my dad's dad. And my grandpa would say to me, he would say, My father was an only son. I'm an only son. Your father's an only son. You're an only son so you're gonna to need to have a son in order for our name to pass on. It's like, wow, this is this is pressure, right? You know, I mean, more for Karen than for me. I mean, but there's nothing we can do to control that, is there? But I, I felt the sense of pressure that my grandfather put on me. Now, it's not the exact same as what Sarah was experiencing, but it gives us a little glimpse into that. There was this pressure that, that, I need to have a baby for Abram to carry this line on. Chapter 17, verses 15 through 16, we see how how God identified Sarah. God said to Abraham, As for Sarah, your wife, you shall not call her Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her. Moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her and she will become nations. Kings of peoples shall come from her. Wow, isn't that great to look at God's, to God's how he identifies Sarah? He changes her name from Sarai to Sarah and there's all sorts of conversation about what Sarai means but the truth is we don't know. But Sarah means princess and that idea of princess that, that beautiful truth that if if they're going to be kings that come from her it's appropriate they come from a princess and so god says look i will bless her i will bless her there's this there's this truth of god and i i I urge you as you read through scripture watch watch the blessing of God, and watch how it gets bestowed in people's lives. And so, as he talks about this, he says, "Listen, I'm she's going to bear a son. She might identify herself; others may identify her as barren, but I see her as fruitful. God's identity for her. Another place is Genesis 12, in verses 10 through 14. Now, there was a famine in the land." And so Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there. For the famine was severe in the land. When he was about to enter Egypt, he said to Sarai, his wife, I know that you're a beautiful woman in appearance. And when the Egyptians see you, they will say, This is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will let you live. Say you're my sister, so that it may go well with me because of you, and that my life may be spared for your sake. When Abram entered Egypt, the Egyptians saw that the woman was very beautiful. So again, as we look at the narratives of Scripture, I hope that you love them as much as I do, because they're so authentic and they're so real. And and it's like if you were writing a story of your life that you wanted people to emulate, you'd leave this this chapter out, right? And so as you look at this and you see this, it's it's so important that it's in this narrative. And and the truth is that that um, Sarah was the sister of Abram. They, they had different mothers, but but. They were brother and sister, and that wasn't uncommon at the time. And so he, he says, you're beautiful. And, and if the Egyptians see this, they're going to kill me, so it's really much better for you if, if you say you're my sister because that way I'll be alive for you, you know? I mean, that's the way we pray sometimes, isn't it? And so um, as we look at that and we see that, she had this amazing beauty that, that people saw. So much so that the people who worked for Pharaoh were like, You gotta get this woman. But what does God see in Sarah? What does what does God see her beauty as? And for that we need to look at First Peter. And first Peter chapter three. We're gonna take a look at this passage just real briefly. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won over without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external the braiding of hair, the putting on of gold jewelry, or clothing you wear but let your adorning beauty be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which in God's sight is very precious. Now, I know even as I read those verses, there's, there's all these things that are going on in your mind and heart, and we're not going to take a look at this passage real closely. In a couple of months, Lord willing, we'll be going through First and Second Peter. We'll expound it then, but I want you to see something here. I want you to see what kind of beauty God sees as very precious in the life of, of a woman, that the adorning would be the hidden person of the heart, the very core of who a person, a woman is, this imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. That's what God sees as the beauty that's very special, very, very precious in the life of a woman. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves. See, this this idea that the, the adorning, that these holy women who hoped for, they they were hoping in God. That that adorning that they had was the hope in God that allowed them to have a, a gentle and a quiet spirit. And this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. So I want to make sure you understand what I'm pointing out in this text today is not the fact that every one of the men go home and say, see, you need to call me Lord. That's not what I'm teaching today, okay? Just want to make that clear. All right, what I want you to understand and see here is that the beauty that Sarah had was so evident to the people who saw her. But the real beauty she had that was the most precious to God was that inner beauty that she had. And God saw that and saw that it was very precious. Her identity was not wrapped up in her outer beauty. And there's nothing wrong with being beautiful. But that's not where I'm adorning myself. That's not where you should adorn yourself. What's your identity? What's your identity? As you think of who you are, and and you define yourself by something, what is it that you define yourself of? And, and the truth is, if you're like me, any given day, that could change a little bit, depending on what's happened to me or what I've experienced or those kinds of things. But what is it that identifies you? Is it, is it the same thing as God says? Is, is the identity that you have for yourself, is that the same identity that God has for you? Because listen, if we're going to live by faith, we need to live in the identity that God has for us. And see, if you've come to a place in your life where you've realized and recognized that your sin has separated you from God and has has pulled you away from the blessing that God has designed for you to have, you see, that's what happens. The blessing that God longs for you to have, it's severed by sin. The sin in your life takes you away from the blessing that God is longing to give to you. And God knew that our sin would do that, and so he... He had a plan, and that plan is Jesus. And if you come to a place where you, you realize that the sin in your life has separated you from the, from the blessing that God is longing to bring into your life, that blessing of the restored relationship, the reconciled relationship that sin has severed, if you come to a place in your life where you say, God, I, I realize and recognize that my sin is so great that it has separated me from you. God, I, ha- I, I know I have no right to this, but I ask that you would have the death penalty that Jesus paid, be the penalty that would, would pay the debt for my sin. I ask that you would forgive me. I, I, I ask that you would take my life of sin and exchange it for Christ's like, life of righteousness. And, and if you do that, at that moment in time, the blessing of God is brought into your life, the blessing of his presence in your life. The blessing of a reconciled relationship with God in your life. Oh, I pray that each one of us have done that. And if you have, what is the identity that you have in Christ? See, you're no longer defined by the things that have defeated you. I know my sin. My sin is before me. It's great, and and I understand, and I know, and it's a daily conflict, and I get that, but I am not identified by that. I am not identified by the things that have defeated me. I am identified by the one who has brought victory into my life. And so when I'm tempted to despair, when I'm tempted to think about those things, That that Satan longs for me to believe are true that Satan longs to believe me to believe are the things listen when you're listening to those things that are speaking condemnation into your life that is not the voice of God God is speaking life into you God has brought you from death into life and listen if we're going to live by faith we need to live in the identity that God gives us as children of God Forgiven, set free, warrior, missionary kid, child of God, victorious. All too often, we can find ourselves getting stuck into an identity that isn't God's identity for our lives, and that can keep us from living by faith and taking those steps that God is preparing for us. The second thing we see uh, from Sarah's life is that living by faith is lived in a real world. It's lived in a real world. Genesis chapter 16, verses one through six. Now Sarah, Ab- Abram's wife, had borne him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, behold, now the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. So after Abram lived ten years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar the Egyptian, her servant, gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. And he went in to Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. And Sarah said to Abram, May the wrong done to me be on you. I gave my servant to you, to your embrace. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with me, on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. But Abram said to Sarai, Behold, your servant's in your power. Do with her as you please. And then Sarai dealt harshly with her, and she fled from her. By faith, Sarah. And then you read this, this paragraph. By faith, Sarah. And you read this paragraph and you think, where's the faith? Where's the faith? See, faith is lived out in a real world, in a real setting, in, in a real life situations. And, and Abram and Sarai came from, from Ur of the Chaldeans. And, and so the Chaldeans were people who this was a common belief. She was raised in a home where this was common belief and common practice at the time that she lived, to, to, if you're married and you're barren and it's important for the name to pass on, you would bring someone else in and have them be the wife to your husband, and that person would bear a child, and, and that person would, that child would become yours. That, that was a, a common thing at the time. And so we look at it through our lenses and, and have all sorts of judgment attached to it. But the truth is, it's still not God's design. And that's why it doesn't work out all that well. And as you read the narrative of Abraham and Sarah, you'll see that, that this particular event has ramifications that we're still feeling very keenly today. Okay? As, as we see in the Arab world and the Jewish world. And, and so we see the effects of this to this day. But it's interesting, so many times in the narratives that we read in Scripture, we want to know, was that right or was that wrong? Was that good or was that bad? And and God doesn't ever really let us know that sometimes. Sometimes it's it's unclear. There's nothing here in this particular text that says, and, you know. Now, clearly, as we look back, we see this wasn't God's plan. But she'd been waiting 10 years. 10 years. And I I wonder, how many of us have been praying for a significant thing for 10 years? How many of us have been praying for something significant, specifically significant, for 10 years, and haven't taken it into our own hands? Okay? Now, it might be that it's something so big that you can't take it into your own hands, And that's what you'd think it would be, that Sarah is barren, that's so big she can't take it into her own hands, but the custom of the day and the culture she lived in allowed her to do that. And I wonder if that same thing doesn't happen in our lives. Because you see, faith is lived out in the real world, and sometimes, sometimes we misstep. The second thing we see as we look at what it means to live with faith in the real world is found in chapter 18, and verses 9 through 15. They said to him, Abraham, where's Sarah, your wife? And he said, she's in the tent. And the Lord said, because the Lord was one of the visitors, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Sarah was listening in the tent behind him and Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years the way of the woman had ceased to be with Sarah so Sarah laughed to herself saying am I, after I'm all worn out my Lord is old, I shall have pleasure the Lord said to Abraham why did Sarah laugh and say shall, shall I indeed bear a child now that I'm old is anything too hard for the Lord at the appointed time I will return to you about this time next year and Sarah shall have a son but Sarah denied it Saying so, you know, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. He said, No, but you did laugh. And so um, you know, it's it's this Interesting thing, we're we're living this in a real world, right? And so we we respond to you know to, to say you're reading a passage in scripture and you're responding to this and you're oh, boy, I don't I don't know and, and then God says you're laughing and you said no I didn't laugh. You go, oh no, you're you're laughing. And you know, so there's this idea of how do I hear the word of God and respond to that in a real world with real pressures and things that are pouring down on me. The final point is that living by faith allows you to receive God's power. Living by faith embraces God's identity for us. We realize it's lived out in the main war, real world, but it allows us to receive God's power. Genesis chapter 21, verses 1 through 7. The Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. Remember, she considered him faithful who had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, who Sarah bore him, Isaac, which means he laughs. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him, and Sarah said, "God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me." And she said, "Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children, yet I have borne him a son in his old age." Sarah did laugh. And Sarah did laugh. And those two things are so significant. Hebrews 11:11. 11, 11. By faith, Sarah received the power to conceive even when she was past age since she considered him who promised faithful. listen, I want you to not lose sight of, of the main character of the narrative of Sarah. The main character of the narrative of Sarah and Abraham and Isaac and Hagar and Ishmael is God. He's the main character of every narrative in Scripture. God is the main character. And Sarah received power to conceive. Now listen, she was barren and she bore a son. But that's not the fullness of the story. The fullness of the story is that Sarah received power to conceive a son who would bring Jesus into the world. Sarah received power to be part of the major plan of God. Sarah received power not for her own self and her own gratification, but for the plan of God for all time. She she received the power to to become part of the plan of God. Scripture tells us that if you've come to the place where you've trusted Jesus as your Savior, you have received the power of God. You have the Holy Spirit inside of you. The Holy Spirit of God indwells you. That's the type of power that is in you. Now, Paul tells us that that that, that we are like jars of clay that house the power of God. And, and so that 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 power is within us and it's the power he goes on to say that will destroy strongholds and so this power that can destroy strongholds of satan in my own life and in and in the world that power is in me even though i'm a jar of clay and what that reveals to me is that that jar of clay as the cracks come in those poor choices those poor decisions like those in sarah's life they allow the glory of god to shine out the radiance of god shines out from my life through those defects that i have and Paul makes this so clear in, in 2 Corinthians chapter twelve. I don't have it on the screen, so you've got to really use the Bible. Second Corinthians chapter twelve. And if you if you have your Bible turned to that, and if you don't pull it up on your app, because I want you to see this verse. Second Corinthians twelve nine. It's a verse that we all know. I, I believe we do. But Paul says, "My grace," God says, "My grace is sufficient for you." And my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest on me. See, here's this. This is where it starts to get exciting in case you weren't excited already. Listen, here it is, okay? My grace is sufficient for you. And my power is made perfect in weakness. God says, my power is made, it's brought to completion in your weakness. See, that power of the Holy Spirit that you have inside of you, how many times do you tap into that power during the day? Listen, you can't live by faith in God, apart from the Holy Spirit, that's what gives you the power to live by faith. And, and the truth is, most of us are living on our own power. We're not living in the power of the Holy Spirit. So we've got this power. We we have this power, but we haven't received the power to do what God has designed for us to do with it. And it's just kind of sitting in there doing nothing. And what we see in the account of Sarah is she received the power to conceive so that God's plan could go forward. And listen, that's each one of you. Each one of you who've trusted in God as your Savior, you have received the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. He's there. That power is there. And that power, listen, that power is not about what can work out best in your life. My friend Jason says that he thinks the problem with people is we spend too much time looking at our navels, you know? As long as I'm looking at my navel, I can't see you. See, we're navel gazers. And, and, And so what happens is we think God's there for us. And listen, that's true, but God's there for us so that we can be there for him. That's what this book is all about, Yes, God's there for you. Yes, God wants you to experience his blessing. Yes, God wants you to experience the joy of his presence in your life so that the power of Christ may rest upon me so that I can make him known. See, where where are you at with this? Are you living by faith? I mean, are you truly, really... Living by faith. What if all of us lived in such a way by faith that we were tapped into the power of the Holy Spirit and we were receiving that power for what it was intended for? It's intended to share. It's intended to take into the world. Imagine what happens when we start to live by that kind of faith. Whew. There's no stopping the power of God. Amen? So what? So what? Consider your faith. How is it shaping your life? Oh, God, thanks. Thanks for your word. Thanks for Sarah. What an amazing woman, Lord. We just get a glimpse into her beauty. But you knew her well, and you knew every aspect of the beauty of her life. Thank you for sharing her account with us, Lord. Thank you for doing it transparently so that we could relate to it. But God, search us. There's some parts of us that need some work. Remind us often of the power that we have, the superpower of the Holy Spirit. Let us not kindle that power, but let us release it for your glory and in your name. Amen. May I please ask you to stand and hear God's good word for you. Romans chapter 15, verse 13. May the the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust him, so that... You may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. God bless you. I release you to a week of work, witness, and worship. Amen.